0: Jacques Howard I'm in on location I'm in Hopewell borough actually and I'm in the studio of Armando Armando Sosa who is uh, how would you describe your craft I know that you weave and that you're involved in textiles but what kind of an artist are you pretty much
1: just a weaver
0: Okay, uh, just a weaver, but yes. but once once everyone gets a chance to see your work, they're going to say, just a weaver, <laughs> he's more than just a weaver. Um, right now, I'm actually, you know, it's my first time in your studio, and thank you to Beth Daly, who introduced you yes, to me you. and your work, and I'm, I'm excited, and I'm looking at your machinery some of your artwork, and during this next, you know, 40 minutes or so, I just, just want to get to know you a bit more, and learn more about your craft, and uh, see what we can do as far as supporting your craft and getting the word out about how fantastic it is and then let's think about how we can maybe get some sort of an economy or a marketplace going where you're, you're weaving, your textiles, thank your your you. craft is, is showcased.
1: Thank you, thank you so much.
0: So let's start from the beginning. Um, So you're here in the US, um, just share a little bit about where you're from and what brought you to the United States. Um...
1: I'm originally from Guatemala, from the highlands. But I think you visited that space when when you were there. It's a it's a beautiful town. It's uh, Guatemala is very small, but is the the land is so uneven. There are so many mountains, and it's a beautiful country even if it's very small. And. Uh, I'm lucky that I was born in a home of weavers. My father was a weaver, and also my grandfather. See, the shirt that I'm wearing right now, it's, it's uh, hand-loom-made material. And this is the kind of weaving that uh, my family was doing at that time. So these weavings we, that we were doing in this town, you know, at that time in the 60s, I remember like 90% of the population were weavers. I mean, that was the way of people making their living out of the weavings. And pretty much was the whole family participating in doing it. Mm. Like women were helping to do the e or the tie-dyed. Children, we were helping with a little spinning wheel like this one to make the little spools for the, you know, the weavers to weave with. And, um, it was in this town, basically men who were weavers because as you can see, this loom here is seven by eight by seven. It's a big, big, um, uh, frame, but those looms that we have at that time were even a little bit bigger than this one. So to work eight hours or 10 hours a day, it was a very heavy work, and were men mostly who were doing the weavings at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I said that I'm lucky because as a little boy, I was having the opportunity to, to help and to watch my father's weaving and mixing all those colors. Sometimes I really, love one of the things that was the process of threading the loom Mm -hmm. after putting all the colors together to the same length and the amount of threads that we need. Uh, I was so fascinated to see how my father was putting all the colors in sections and once that was done that was a work of the whole day also. Mm It was so excited for me to see all the mix of colors, and I guess that was already in my blood that I, later (laughs) I was gonna enjoy even more, you know, to use them and and make my weavings. So that was a very simple uh, weaving. It's very different than the weavings that I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. To make these weavings, I use this loom, as you can see, it has um, the four basic um, harnesses to, to, to do the weaving. That, that is what we use to make the plain weaving. But all those other harnesses that, that are here, there are 45, the ones with the metal parts and mm-hmm. the strings. Those 45 extra harnesses allows me to make the designs.
0: And when you say the designs, um, you know, and I'll take pictures of of your shirt and some of your yeah, you your like textiles. It. So, the forty five different moving parts. So, you, and again, I'm, I don't know anything about this this technology or, or how you do this. So each piece of thread has to be woven specifically through the forty five pieces yes. to make the design that that you want. Yes. And then the loom is you pump. To, to do the, the merging? Actually,
1: to, uh, how I made the weave, the, the designs is um, I use rough paper, as you can see. I'm going to show you a lot of the designs that I have made. And in the page, there are 45 squares that represent for me the 45 strings that I have. And in each line, the dots that I put to create the design in the whole page, in any horizontal line, the dots that are there are the strings that I pull in order to create the weaving at the same time. So it's a process of doing the weave, the stitches, and then the plain weaving in every one, in every uh, every stitch. In that way, the weaving, as you can see in this piece, the,
0: every stitch
1: is locked up with the plain weaving.
0: And that also, be, because it's cross-stitched, that gives it the strength and the durability as well?
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Um, for the designs, I use a little thicker thread in order for the design to, how do you say, to have a little more form. Uh, as you can see that it looks almost like three-dimensional. Mm. And that kind of weaving is actually has been used to do upholstery. Is that how you say? Mm-hmm. To you know, sofas or chairs. Um, so it it is very um, durable and resistant.
0: Mm-hmm. Now I'd like to go back and talk about the loom a little yes. bit because the loom in itself looks like a work of art. Oh, you know, there's lots <laughs> of moving pieces. Yes, but it's it's very specifically made.
1: Oh, yes, yes. I made it by memory. <laughs> uh, it took me almost six months. Of course, I was using just my free time to, to make it maybe two hours every day. What it really took me a long time was to create all those corners. There are 45 of them, and in each of them, as you can see, there are more than 20 threads hanging. That at the same time, those threads... Are the ones that are holding the warp thread that is all that green thread that you see. Mm-hmm. That is what we call the warp, and those threads have to go through the 45 harnesses in each one of those, and then in the four other the four other harnesses to create the plain weaving, and then into the reed. Is that's the metal part. That's the metal part that is at the end that basically rules any loom. Uh, According to how many spaces for inch we have is the amount of threads that we need. Mm -hmm. And so the reed basically keeps the weaving straight, helps to do the um, beading and each line to to be consistent and um, is is how we you know we use it, but that's that's the warp. So the uh, the shadows that I'm gonna show you are the threads that we go that we go through back and forth. That's the weft, and that's into the four harnesses and the forty five to create the designs. Okay,
0: so um, again, trying to paint a picture for the, the listening non-viewing audience. So, with the the green thread that you have there, it looks like it's it's a lot of yardage. It is. So, what is the setup per design, like the time it takes to set up per design?
1: Well, see, this, I have been using the same technique that I learned as a little boy. Um, To put all those threads together, I have something else that we use to to put all the threads together. Each thread comes in a cone like the ones you see here. Mm -hmm. And as you can feel, the the thread is very thin.
0: And light, very light.
1: light. Yes. So to to put the length of 30 yards, let's say, the amount of thread that I need for the weft, for the whole weft, is Uh, It's only 36 inches, but I need 1,360 threads to put them together. So this other thing that I was telling you that we call urdidor, or in English they call um, uh, warp, warp board or something like that. But those are very little for small looms, but this one is a big, big loom created by four uh, pieces of wood, let's say like five feet, with one st- dowel in the middle that allows them to go around and okay. around. Okay. In that way, they, uh, I can put them, you know, like, um, um, line by, um, I mean, round by, here is the Oh, See? okay. It goes around, around. In that way, I create the length of each thread, and depend how many threads I have at the same time. But the amount of threads that I need to put together is 1,360 to 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 create those 36 inches across.
0: Now, this loom. Uh, I know you said you built it from memory, <coughs> from when you were were, yes. were a young person. Uh, in guatemala when you were learning is this v- similar to the type of machine you worked on your father worked on
1: yes yes uh, with one exception i learned from uh, one of my uncles how to weave with this kind of loom to make designs because what i learned from my father was to create just plain weaving okay. like this this is a little more uh complicated to use more hornaces and um When I moved to Guatemala City as a teenager, one of the jobs that I found lucky, it was as as a weaver. And one of my uncles who was there uh, working already, he taught me how to weave with these kind of looms with multiple harnesses. But at that time, there were only 29 harnesses besides the four. And uh, in 1997, I was in the hospital, and one night I started thinking, I can put more hornaces to create the designs, you know, to make bigger designs. And I came up with, to put 45 together, and it's what you, what you will count there. There are 45. So in Guatemala, it will be very ra- rarely if you find another loom with 45. Mostly it will be 29 and, and the four basic hornaces. So it's pretty much the whole frame, the basic hornaces and the reed, everything is exactly the same as in Guatemala. But all the other hornaces to make the designs is the difference with those looms.
0: Hi. Hi. (laughs) So I'm fascinated again by the loom itself and uh, again, it structurally it just looks like a piece of art in itself, like almost like a sculpture. Like a sculpture, thank you. So um, in some sort of a way, can you sort of describe it for the audience?
1: Well, it's really, um, I'm, I'm sorry that I don't have enough maybe vocabulary to, to do that, but I'm going to try sure, my best. Sure, yeah, sure. There are basically four big, uh, how do you call them, beams in, to, that create the, the four corners, and they are tied with another four in each side, as you can see. So it creates the square box, and then there's two um, how do you call this round pieces of wood? Uh, uh, like dowels. Like arms? bins. Okay. Yes. Be- okay. Two round ones, one. Is uh, the one that we use to hold all the threads of the warp, and the other one in the other side is to wrap the weaving part. So, is what is what they do, and then the hanging parts are the harnesses. Uh, they are created by you know those flat bars that I found aluminum, which is very good to use it and the thread that i used to make those harnesses is a wax thread somebody told me that that's the kind of thread that uh lately the industry of making tires use instead of using wire years ago they started using wire inside mm-hmm. of the rubber but this time they use this thread which make the tires a little more less heavy or things okay. like that. So that's that, that's the hanging part and the reed that is in the other two pieces of wood is what really, you know, we use to to um, to tie every every stitch.
0: Okay. And when you say tie every stitch, so if we're looking uh, hypothetically horizontal and vertical, then the other portion comes in and locks it in place?
1: Yes, yes. Yes, you see the warp threads. Uh, those pedals that I have there by pushing two down so some threads open and when they open then I pass the shuttle back and forth and then I switch it and is how the the, the threads lux, lux it up in every
0: every time. Now on this particular setup that you have today you've got the green thread. And I, I keep referencing visually to your beautifully colorful shirt that has probably six or eight different colors. How do you how do you interject the other colors?
1: With this one, uh, I put the colors in in the um, in the weft part because, as you can see, all the warp the warp is only one color, but. To weave with, it's the, the sky is the limit. You can put any colors you can imagine. As you can see in this piece, the warp was the, this pale, uh, pale gold, but to the colors that I use, is there are so many colors, blues, greens, oranges, browns. <coughs> and uh, So the sky is the limit to use any color. It's, uh, you know, it was fascinating.
0: And I'm sure in this short amount of time, I won't be able to get a full understanding of how intricate uh, the detail work is. Um, I'm looking at this one piece that, that you just mentioned with the, the pale gold thread and the multiple colors, but it's got your name initial, or you know, your, your initial, your first name, and your last name, Sosa, in, in the actual in woven all. to the fabric. Yes. Now, that in itself, how complex and difficult is it to do that? Well, it's um, it's really easy once you
1: can start weaving and know how the threads you know open up and all that. So you can create le- letters or any design. So also there are no limits. You can create so many different designs. It's um, it's fascinating. It's just a question of counting the threads and make a project. And go line by line to make, you know, the design.
0: So it's, it the the craft of creating and weaving. It's really the process of the setup, um, having a, 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 almost like a blueprint of exactly what you want to do and following that.
1: Pretty much. Yes. Yes. You can, you can say that. It's uh. uh each pattern, if you. Uh, respect every dot. In doing every stitch, the design comes comes up. Mm -hmm. And to make it more complex, you can also make one side with a little color, and then another part of the design with another color. And that's how some of the designs come with different colors in it.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, you are second generation. So your father taught you. Um, did your grandfather and great-grandparents teach the rest of your family? My
1: grandfather was a weaver also, yes. Actually, he was an artist. He really, I think he died with that knowing that he, oh my God, I can remember so many things that he, <clears throat> that he made. And when I weave and I start, weaving for me is a connection with my past. I start, sometimes I play my music in Spanish and I start thinking the time that I was a little boy and, you know, playing in the patio and watching my family working and sometimes I was helping, so I remember so much my grandfather, he made beautiful, beautiful things. Sometimes, um, for, for different stations of the year, we have, um, so many different things, starting in January, we celebrate the Day of the Kings, the oh, 6th yeah, of January, or something. Yeah. one time they asked my grandfather to make the, how do you call the things that you put on the horses, to, to mount, for the person to jump on?
2: <laughs> oh, uh-huh. oh saddle, oh. yes, 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 yes.
1: He made those with cardboard and tissue paper, put the colors and it it, it was unfortunately uh, it's hard for me to describe it but you can imagine the saddle on a horse but he created like to to see the texture not to see just the piece of cardboard but to see this texture he created he put another colors bending all these little pieces of paper and they look so was, as a little boy, I, just remember, I just remember so much when—I like it a lot. And then he was—for um, the Day of the Saints in November, we have almost like a competition in the, in the field next to where we were living to fly kites. And I remember he makes such a beautiful kites for <laughs> all his uh, grandchildren. So all the things that he was doing, he was very handy. He was making anything that he was thinking that we're going to use. Sometimes he saved little pieces of wood or something. He thought, I can use this for something like that. And he was very creative, very, very creative. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I weave and I remember that, I think that I, I wish, you know, that I can that he can be alive to see that. But uh, I do it in, in his memory because uh, he, he once, he told me uh, when I was planning to leave my hometown to, to be in Guatemala City, he said, he told me there was important to, to um, he know that as resources were very limited. You know, we were very poor. So he said, well, we don't have education. Uh, It's going to be hard for you. But to be in the city with no education is going to be very, very hard when you grow up. So it's important for you to learn one art. And he was talking mostly about the weavings that we were doing. Mm -hmm. In a way, I remember when I got that opportunity to work as a weaver, And I thought, well, this is something that I really have to learn. All the steps, because it looks so easy, one piece and all that, but all the things that is involved to create it, it's a lot of different steps to put the warp, to know what thread you're going to use. And it's very, very, um, it's it's just a question of time. and love to do it.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Now, you mentioned a bit earlier about how, This is uh, almost therapy for you. It helps you to connect to your past. Can you just share about the culture of weaving in Guatemala and how important it is to the country?
1: It's uh, still very important. There are different places in the country that we use different things. Like there's one town that I remember that they make Weaving pieces just with wool, they a lot uh, a lot of these people own a lot of sheep, where they get the the wool from, and then they dye you know in different colors, and with all those yarns they create blankets, they create materials to make jackets you know for the winter time, uh, and they create rugs you know things for decoration. And I guess, you know, we have in the blood, not in the the education that we have, but the designs that we see uh, sometimes for uh, some fiestas of the towns, elder people, they create their own weavings to use them on the head or on the shirt or something like that. and they have some designs that are like a holy for them that mm. are uh, representing things for them and unfortunately I'm not really good to describe you all all of that but uh, it is important for 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 culturally and it's it makes me happy that I can, that I can continue doing it because uh, it's something that we are proud that we learn and then we can keep you know, creating new things also.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, I was sitting with Beth, when she introduced me to you, and we were going through some images and some books and things, um, she made it clear about the the different colors and the patterns and the different meanings behind them, mm-hmm. um, whether it represents a particular time of the year or a particular um, community. Can you just elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, even for uh, when young women are you know, engaged and they're gonna be married, so they sometimes they spend more than a year to create the weaving piece that they're gonna make like a huge almost like a, a stola or kimono or <laughs> you, you know, different names. But and women who weave in Guatemala they use the backstrap loom and um, they create such beautiful designs. And again, a lot of these designs have been for generations that they have some meanings and, you know, for lack for uh, so many things. And um, so, I'm sorry, I, I forgot the rest of the uh, Yeah so
0: it's, I think that you answered it. So there, there's a lot of emphasis put into, um, emphasis suppose. into like original designs and concepts in each of the pieces by the artist. Yes, it's, it's true. Okay, now uh, in Guatemala, um, are men just as um, actively involved in the culture of creating weaving art um, as the women? Is, is, is it equally as important?
1: Um, it is important and it's sad at the same time mm-hmm. to, to say this because young people, they are not interested to do weavings anymore. Uh, lucky lucky that they have you know more opportunities to educate themselves better so there are a lot of people now that they prefer to become professionals in different fields to make more money to to survive better and uh, you know to continue better in that way because just by weaving It it will be very hard to see people who make the living out of the weaving now Uh, Threads are very expensive Uh, So for all the time that they do that they you know pass the weaving a piece and at the end It will be very hard to sell it especially in in Guatemala to have the you know that amount of of um, compensation for, for the time spending, I think, is very, very hard over there. So— But, again, women and, and men still weaving, the, the few that are there, um, in towns there are men who do the weaving, like I was explaining to you, because it's a very hard work the whole day. but. The more creative ones, I guess, are women. The, the, these pieces that they use, the backstrap loom, they are sitting down on, on their legs, and the, the piece of the weaving is there. But they take a long time to create these beautiful pieces, but they are amazing pieces also. Mm.
0: Yeah. So what you're doing now with weaving, you're actually bridging a gap, like a historical gap, um, you said that a lot of the young people aren't really interested in the the
1: the, the
0: old old way of doing things. They're looking forward to education and, and these other things. So what you're doing is is actually helping to keep the heritage and the culture of weaving in Guatemala alive.
1: Oh yes, it's is one of my dreams that uh, to show a lot of you know not only to people from Guatemala but that it is possible to do things by hand and Mm. and like I was saying, the sky is the limit to create anything and I wish that can be heard from the community and uh, that if I can ever do something even voluntarily for them to continue weaving because I know there are a lot of weavers from my hometown here in Trenton and there is the, the way to encourage them to not to be here just like, oh, just to work and, and just die, but to show that we are also able to do something, to give back something that we have been, you know, this beautiful country has been opened its doors for us and I met all these beautiful people, like Beth is like an angel for me. Her husband just through them I have this opportunity to do these weavings for the church in, in Princeton and it's um, so it's in ourselves to recognize that and give back something and we know that we can't the only thing is that sometimes we are we become a little lazy I
0: guess <laughs> <laughs> we get busy with with other <laughs> things yes. So, so here in Triton, um, you know, and we say Triton, this whole region, I mean, it's the, it's the main city. So we're in Hopewell, but it's still the Triton region. So you're what I would assume is considered a master weaver uh, of, of that magnitude. I know you're shaking your head, but I would assume that that's probably the technical term that we could affix to you. And you said that there are others. Um, in this area from Guatemala who are also weavers as well um, do you get together with the other weavers and have conversations and discuss different techniques
1: no, not, not talking about the weaving because they don't really they, they, once they left Guatemala I guess they don't want to know anymore about, about the weaving I think to them weaving was a hard work that doesn't give back that much and that's why they left or we left and find different jobs where you know we have better pay and felt better in our families. So sometimes when when some of my friends see because it's hard for them I invite them sometimes to see the shows that I have and very few, maybe one or two come and I guess for them, maybe it's kind of familiar to see something like that, that it, it feels to me like, oh, come on, but say something. like, <laughs> like <laughs> well, Even um, some uh, relatives of mine, cousins, you know, I have been asking them, you know, there's this program uh, sponsored by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, uh, grants to continue doing this. Almost very very hard. Uh, only two of them. One was through Beth. The uh, maybe you know her. Um, what's her name? Lucy. Lucy. She through the Arts Council, they give us grant two two years in a row, and uh, she's doing some readings. As an mm-hmm. apprentice. Yes. As
2: an apprentice. As okay. an apprentice. Yes. Now, do you
0: have? Concerns, um, fears that this wonderful cultural heritage of weaving is going to be forgotten.
1: I hope not. You know, these um, these times, technology—it's uh, how do you say—it's making to that to disappear. <clears throat> but at the same time, I think. There have to be some people that... It would be sad to see that nobody wanted to do anything with their hands. Mm -hmm. Like everything is so mechanic, so... That at the end doesn't have exactly the same look or feeling. It's so different. But one thing made by hand... I remember when I finished making the loom, uh, people were saying... Wow, this is just a work, just, just to see the loom is, like you were saying at the beginning, you know, it's something to admire. Yes. Not to mention the pieces that I have. I, sometimes when I finish some pieces, I I almost cry, because I say, wow, I made it. And stitch by stitch, 100, 140 hours to make one piece with all those colors, but at the end, You know, when I have these shows and places to show and people who appreciate, that gives me so much satisfaction. And especially when I sell some of them. (laughs) That always (laughs) helps. Yeah, it helps a lot because, you know, to buy more materials and, and, uh, I mean, I sell these pieces for $3,200 and when I sell one of them, I say, wow, that's Great. I wish I can, you know, sell one piece every week, but it's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's...
0: Well, it's, it's tough to actually produce that much work because you said you're putting 100, 120 yeah. plus hours into In each one piece. piece, yes. Yeah, so that, yes. that's a lot. So you're working three weeks. Right, right.
1: Yeah. Yes. And I do that just using my free time because I could not do this full time still. Uh, someday, but, uh, i still still at as a picture framer. Okay. So that's, that was my formal job. And now I work in only three days a week in a gallery in Princeton, but in my free time, I come and, and you know, spend hours with making the weavings. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's go back and talk about your shirt. Okay. Um, because, uh. That's art too. I mean, it's textiles. It's it's made into the, this wonderful shirt. Is that something that was done on a loom similar to yours?
1: Yes, the loom is exactly like this one, except that it doesn't have those forty-five extra harnesses. Just the four, and that's why it just looks plain. Okay. Fla- flat, flat weaving.
0: And so you could on this loom, you could make the adjustments and take those forty-five off. In- oh I
1: can use it even with the 45 I'm um, create cheesy for the plain weaving cheese just, just um, it will be a question of what colors I want to use and I can create that.
0: Okay yes And then from there once that's done, then those textiles can be sewn mm-hmm. into a shirt or into um, oh yes accessories or anything.
1: Yes, in Guatemala I have seen that they use for so many things they Make bags, women bags or even hats or or sandals, uh, for pants, for shirts, jackets. So it, it te- neckties, so how do you call? Yeah, yeah, neckties, neckties hats.
2: This is a very special. Weave. It's called a Haspe. Yes. Yes. Explain. that.
1: Haspe, I don't know where that the name comes from, but it's exactly what weavers do in uh Thailand, mm-hmm. in Singapore. E-cut. 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 I do okay. I guess it's exactly the same. Oh actually I have here a picture to show you.
0: Sure. Sure. <coughs> And while you're getting that picture, so the process of weaving in Guatemala is what you would say the same in in other countries? Just Uh, maybe a little variation on the pattern or the equipment? Pretty much, Okay. pretty much.
2: Well, the males, the men's uh, looms uh, originated in Spain and they, they were brought into Guatemala when, uh, so they were just doing backstrap okay. I don't know what the men did
1: see to create the ikat it's these threads that are put together in lengths mm-hmm. and then with the nuts they create the design and then they die and after they die they <gasps> okay. take off the nuts and that's the thing that has been created.
0: Design almost a variation on tie dye. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly
2: that. Uh, and okay. you see those white, those white marks. Uh huh. Um, all that they have been arranged in advance, so they come together.
1: You can still yeah. see some there. How they they do that?
0: Now, historically. Um, what did they use for dyeing the the threads yeah
1: it has been you know changing still in some places they use natural dyes okay. in Guatemala they have uh, they have this um, textile museum that is won by the university mm-hmm. um, and they are creating weavings just with natural dyes but little by little we have been using um chemical dyes especially coming from germany and who give the advance that the the colors are more uh how do you call it, firm the
2: hybrid.
1: or also more durable. yes okay yes.
0: now in the, your this book that we're looking at textiles of central and south america um on page 75 there's an the image of a modern hu is that how it's pronounced? We-pil. we, peel. we, peel. we peel. Yes. It's okay. like a blouse. And that's similar to what you showed me in your studio yes. as well. Yeah. Okay.
1: See, this is created by, by a young lady. All those complex designs, it's amount of hours of work.
0: And would this be used, um, in, in just to describe it, it's almost like a tunic with uh, armholes and a neck hole... Yes. Uh, unfitted. And it's got, looks like hundreds of different um, small patterns inside of it. Yes. Now, would something like this be considered um, for a special occasion or is this just someone being creative in their everyday wear?
1: Mm, I think more for special occasions. Yes. For uh, daily wear, we use mostly something like my shirt. Okay, <laughs> and,
0: and that in itself is, and once I get some pictures of that, yeah, that, that, it's, that in itself is gorgeous yeah. and, uh, and very colorful, which, I mean, I think the average person, especially in the United States, because we're so conservative, would think that, that that is very much like you're going to a special event. Like, that's just not everyday clothing. Right. So what are your anticipations or what are you looking to do with keeping the culture of weaving alive? What are your plans?
1: Well, my plans I think are to continue and and be more inspiring and make more pieces. I have so many projects in my mind that I want to make in the weavings. Beautiful designs that I have seen. You know, I have the opportunity to go to um, the museums and when I see some designs, I just I guess it's, it's it's a soul that I have that I wanted to create also something with my hands and i i I hope God can give me you know that the opportunity to keep creating and make more things for if they are up teaching weaving at the arts Council in Princeton and whoever wants to to take the weaving classes, and I will be so happy if they continue doing some of those uh you know some of those weavings and keep the tradition going i have been mixing in my weavings now designs from different cultures mm-hmm. like the piece that is behind you that design of the circles i saw the the um the design the original design from a weaving piece that was, on how do you call, uncovered or brought it back from a tomb of a king in China, three thousand years ago was buried, and it was just in pieces. So, but I thought, oh wow, that's a beautiful design that I can, you know, keep keep going. And into those circles, I make some designs of the Mayan figures mm. so I mix some you know part of the Chinese with the Mayans and other pieces like um, that I have made I, I have been creating uh, Renaissance designs with uh, with Mayans or uh, Egyptians uh,
0: Wow. wow wow uh, i like the fact that you you mentioned that that you're creating with the idea of mixing cultures yes because i think that is one of the blessings that we have nowadays is, is to be able to incorporate lots of different cultures.
1: Yes, that piece I just delivered this morning. And as you can see in the border, it has the designs from someplace in, in the Middle East. And in the middle, I put some of those Renaissance designs that I saw in photographs from, from tapestries that have been around in at the museums Europe in Europe. And they have been created many thousands of years ago.
0: Wow, these these are so intricate. Um I I would worry that wearing them as clothing, I'd be I'd be afraid of like, you know, brushing up against something or or staining it, but you said that that the materials, the threads are very durable.
1: They are.
0: So how how would a person care for um whether it's your tapestry or if this was made into clothing?
1: If it's made uh, for to wear, like this piece, I'm going to show you the back of the piece. Uh, this is really meant for, you know, for wall hanging, mm-hmm. but if somebody wanted to... I, I make a couple pieces to be wear. So it's a question of lining the piece. Okay. In that way, mm-hmm. the threads are protected and they are not easy to... How do you call it, if your uh, ring can get stuck in one of the oh, threads? Okay. Yes.
0: Mm. Now, have you personally experimented with clothing or accessories like hats and scarves and ties?
1: Not really. No, no. Just, just um, one thing that I make like a like a poncho, mm-hmm. but n- nothing else. But it can be done, you know, it can be used for anything.
0: Now, in this region, uh, I know, and Beth and I spoke about this, that there's a, a lot of immigrants from Guatemala who are here in central New Jersey, specifically in Trenton. Do you foresee them starting to be more interested in, in sharing about weaving, or do you think that that's... That's when they're past and or beyond that. I
1: think. Oh, I, I, How
2: long are you going to be? I'm oh, sorry. We're doing interview. Okay, I'm okay. teaching here. Yes. Teaching oh, really? Okay. Alright.
1: I think the problem is that um, they don't see the opportunity that that uh, you know anybody can have to. To continue weaving.
2: And the have yeah, the interest. Yes.
1: Yeah.
2: Though the one thing that I, I, I don't know if you talked about when I was out of the room is that his town, Salgaha, was a weaving town. That it was 90% weavers. Mm-hmm. And many of the people in Trenton are from Salgaha. Yes. So it's a huge number in this area mm-hmm. from that, that weaving city.
1: I'm sorry that I didn't tell you that, that Rishi was coming to teach
0: yeah. That's okay. All right, well, we'll finish up here mm-hmm. and uh, I'll, I'll plan on, on us getting together again. Okay. Uh, Armando Sosa, I really appreciate um, you opening up your studio and uh, sharing some time with me and educating me on this wonderful artisan craft of weaving and the, the Guatemalan Guadal- tradition model of it. And I look forward to um, making sure that we can get um, some more exposure for this and to get get some more people's eyes on your wonderful craft. So thank you so much. Thank you. And oh, Beth thank Daly, is always. Oh, you're welcome. And Beth, thank you also for the introduction. Yeah. I totally appreciate yes. it. Jacques <laughs> Howard on location. I'm in Hopewell Borough, and I'm at the studio of Armando Sosa. More information will be up on the website, trenton 365com